welcome everybody to another edition of We Talk Photography. My co-host down in Portland, Oregon is John Peterson. Hello, and Jack. I'm, and I'm Jack Graham up here in the uh, in the shadow of Mount Rainier. And it is really Rainier tonight because it's coming down in buckets. But you know what? As I say, that's why it's green. Yep. And it'll be white up there. So I'm hoping maybe I'll get up there tomorrow afternoon if I can. Uh, today, we have a very, very special guest, as we always try to. Um, but Jerry Greer is with us from uh, Johnson City, Tennessee. And um, Jerry and I go back to the early days of naturefotographers.net, which, by the way, is back. Uh, everybody should check that out. But we go back and, um, and and a lot of years and share a lot of things in common. And this is long overdue to get Jerry on. Jerry, how are you today out there? Doing great. Ready for some snow. Yeah, well, maybe you you know I, I talked to my buddy Bill Fortney in in uh, in uh, southeastern Tennessee, and he says they may get a little bit uh, Kentucky rather. They may get a little bit for uh, Christmas Eve, and That's we're recording crazy. this a couple days before Christmas, so maybe you'll get a little here in the next couple days. Well, anyhow, it's great to have you, uh, Jerry. Let's um, kick this off just. If you could give people a little background on yourself, um, it's funny because you know most people are going to know you as a photographer, and maybe you could, and, which you are, and, and a great one. Um, but I know you have some other skills, and just just give us a little background on who you are, so everybody knows. Well, if I don't run over too long, so you know, it's, I would tell you to kick me if I go too long, but uh, but really, you know. I, I'm a book publisher as well as a photographer. Um, I learned to publish books for myself. Photography to, books. Yeah, to, to photography books. Um, you know, um, and I learned how to publish photography books specifically for my own work. But as the years change, you know, uh, Lots of things changed, you know, brought in, uh, uh, you know, other other investors and people, which were photographers. And we grew the company like crazy, Mountain Trail Press. And then we had Mountain Trail Photo, where we did books and workshops um, for a while. But so, um, you know, that's been my main focus, whereas you guys do work workshops, I publish books. But I now publish books for other people. Every once in a while, I'll do a book on my own. But most of my 95% of the work that I do, or actually more than that, is publishing, custom publishing books for photographers around the country. Actually, the world now, I'm doing one from uh, a photographer in Chile, though he yeah. is from, wow. from uh, the Pacific Northwest. Mm, wow. Wow, that's that's interesting. Well, we're going to get into that, and uh, you know, um, I, I think a, 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 one of the things I'd like to talk about is 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 publishing, and and you know, I think that a lot of us, and John, chime in on this because I, I think you and I have had some discussions about this. You know, we all take all these photographs. And uh, I'm 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 actually going through my slides right now and scanning a few of the slides. I, I've got thousands of slides. I'll probably keep about forty or fifty of them. But you know, I, we've got all this stuff, and what do we do with it? And uh, I, I really think that I'd like to discuss that. And I'd like to discuss um, photographing with a purpose. And, and having some kind of a purpose and, and doing a book or doing even a small book. I mean, I think it's a great idea. So Jerry, you, you, talk, talk about what you did in photography and how you, how you kind of, you know, matriculated into the publishing business. That's a big word. Yeah. Jack. Um, yeah. Mainly, you know, I started out as just a normal nature photographer. 
Um, living in Colorado Springs. Of course, I started shooting pictures in high school. But it really got serious after I got out of the military, stayed in Colorado Springs. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a first Gulf War vet. So, uh, I'm, you know, I, I got out of the military there in Colorado Springs and got back into shooting. And that's when it kind of all started. Um, you know, stayed there for, for a number of years. Mostly at that time, I was doing adventure sports, mountain bike racing, and those type of things. And decided I wanted to come home. You know, sometimes I regret that decision. But then most of the times, I'm really happy that I came back to the mountains that I grew up in. Um, but I can't came back to, to photograph here and then that's where things kind of changed I really just really uh, I dug into being a, uh, a, a you know a landscape shooter and of course from there came the large format camera and, and which was the best time of my life probably the biggest mistake I ever made was when I sold it and went digital because that's when things kind of changed, for the most part. Um, you know, <clears throat> you that camera is so different. Did you either? Of you guys shot shoot uh, large format before? Yeah, I had a I had a Pentax six four five for a while. Um, yeah, I'm talking about a view camera, like no, camera. too no. damn big. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, it's two pounds. Um, <laughs> you know. The film's kind of a bear, but you know, but it, I mean, it, it's 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 so different. Um, it's very slow. It's five bucks a shot. Yeah, you probably yeah. shot two or three frames a, a week or a day. Yeah, it's, it's ten now, but, <laughs> but but you know, it's it slows you down. Things change. Um, you know, vision changes. Uh, things are more precise. Um, you know, you, you just can't go firing it and hopefully one of them works. I mean, and not to say that everybody does that. I mean, we all kind of do it sometimes, you know, when we get really rolling with things. But, you know, um, the publishing business is for, my, for myself is really what changed that. Uh, when, you know, when we grew the publishing business to a point where we were doing multiple books a year of our own, um, you know, when Ian came in and we started doing these, uh, the wonder and light series books, which was a little small book that we sold to the gift shop markets. That was um, Ian plan folks. Yes. Yeah, Ian plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, he came into the company. Um, and, and we just started putting out books left and right. So, you know, it just didn't work because when Ian came in, he was, he was also a large format shooter. That's kind of how we met. Um, you know, people gravitate, you know, to these, to these cameras, you know, back then, especially. And, you know, in the end, we both switched. He kind of prodded me to switching because we just needed to shift gears and produce more work. And, you know, sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad, but, um, but, you know, for the most part, we just started really putting out a lot of books. Um, then of course we started doing some larger books on top of that. Um, and then we started producing books for other photographers, which was really, really fun. Um, you know, I love doing my own books. I've done, I've, I have 10 books to my name. Um, Mountain Press has published a little over 200 books. You won't see them all out there because they don't have my name on them. I've produced them for other publishers or for other photographers that had their own publishing. Like Eric um, Stensland out of the Rocky Mountain National Park, uh, Estes Park. I do all of his work. In fact, I just uploaded a new book for him today. Uh, we're printing a new book for him. Uh, it's gonna be a really free book, beautiful so, book. Hey Jerry, let but, me um, let me chime yeah. in a little bit and, sure. and ask you a question around, um, you know, a lot of us, kind of going back to Jack's original point, we all have a lot of images and what do we do mm -hmm. with them? And I think a lot of folks do, you know, a lot of self-publishing 
just for their mm-hmm. friends and their family, you know, blurb and, and uh, wh- whoever else. And, wh- you know, what's your what's your thinking around, you know, kind of self-publishing versus going to a more professional house to do some of this work? Well, so it depends on, on the quality you're looking for and the quantity you're looking for. I'm not a blurb guy. Um, I can print one book, but it's going to cost you. I mean, one book is going to cost you, depending on what you're doing, it could cost you 300 bucks for one. Right. It depends on what you're doing. If it's an 11 by 11 hardcover and you do one copy, it's going to cost you 300 to $350 probably. Uh, It's going to be a digital print. So it it will be a digitally printed book. It won't be a, a offset uh, press book. So there's different types. So the the, the more the, the when the quantity goes up, you can get into um, different types of presses, being um, you know the offset or lithography. Uh, you know a litho. We would call lithos. Uh, that's basically you know, essentially that's offset press where you have CMYK, you, you're printing them on a, an actual press um, versus the digital presses, which are, well, Fuji Xerox. It's basically using dry inks versus mm-hmm. wet inks. Um, there's, you're not using digital presses, don't use plates. So, you know, for short runs, they're lesser expensive uh, but they're very expensive per book. So it's one of those things where you have to decide. You know, I've gotten to the point now where when I first started doing this, it, you know, I could only print, the, the smallest runs I could print would be a 1,000 copies. Mm-hmm. And for your friends and family, you, if you've got a 1,000 friends and families, you know, you're all good for a 1,000 copies. But, uh, but the good thing now is I've gotten it down on to around 450. That's still a lot of books, but that's for people that, you know, to have, um, you know, a, a following um, or, you know, doing a, you know, if you're doing workshops and you have a, you know, a nice workshop company, you have that captive audience, you can put together a wonderful piece um, printed beautifully in an, a true art photo, photographic book, not a quick print. Um, and you can print it, and that's another option to sell it. So really, the, the 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 difference is one of the main differences is the quality of the of the of the look of the image on the paper in the book is going to be far superior the way you're doing it versus a blurb or somebody else in, in a litho yeah, print. Yeah, really, really good work now. Um, and they they are acceptable. I mean, they're doing. I did a. I, did a really a small little short run book first time i've ever printed in the united states I, and it's digitally printed um you know i just put together this little book forest for the trees it just um basically it, it, it's going to be a three release and then in the end it's it's a maquette so it's it's a makeup of what i want to have have inside of a larger book in the end um at some point which i'll go to press with a a you know a full book and it, it was digitally printed and it's it's it came out just wonderful mm-hmm. it is different you can't do certain things that you can do offset like mm-hmm. spot gloss varnishes or aqueous mm-hmm. flooded coatings and those things and mm-hmm. and paper choice is really really um you can't really f- do anything over a hundred pound uh and that, that's max for um, digital presses uh, you have you're limited on the way you can bind them so you know Smythe's sewn uh, fold flat where you when you open up a hardcover book and it lays dead flat to where you know if you have images that cross the spine right right right, right, right you know, it lays dead flat it doesn't you know art up and everything I yep. mean you can't do that uh, on digital presses, but you can on offset. So, um, you know, I, I, most of my art books, I use 180 GSM paper, matte art with a spot gloss on the image. So you have this beautiful matte paper and this either, a will do, I can do an aqueous flood 
satin over the whole entire page, or I can just spot gloss the image. So there's so many things out there. And what the deal is, is knowing how to do it in order to get what you see on your screen to print in the book. And that's the biggest problem that you have in the industry today. And the great thing is, is as a photographer that knows how to do both of those, I can tell you if your image is going to actually print like you see it, or I'm going to tell you that you can't get there from there's certain images that you, and you just cannot what, print and see them like that. What are those, what are those things, Jerry, that sort of drive or, or might be indicators or tells that says, you know, this image will print good. This image won't. Are there certain characteristics to those images that'll, some will print yes. better than others? But they're all, they, they all will print beautifully. The difference is, is we're spoiled. We're spoiled with, what, 12-color inkjet printers? Mm -hmm. And we can make any color in the spectrum. So we can make these crazy greens or these crazy blue Colorado skies that you can't make offset with CMYK. So basically, you're using three colors in black. Cyan. Blue, magenta, and black in order to make that. Now, I use a really, it's a, it's a fairly new screening process that is different than what pretty much, I don't understand why more people are not using publishers uh, or printers. Um, but I use Agfa Apogee. They, they have this new screening process that is called Sublima. And... So he uses what they call, I mean, I don't want to get too deep in this because it will, it, it's, it's in a different realm. But the screening process, um, it allows for me to print it at really high resolutions that you normally don't get with normal printing. So it gives me the ability to not only uh, have more photo-like photographs, it also allows for me to print from 1 to 99% dot uh frequencies and the dots finer and smaller and it allows for me to to cover the tones much much better smoother tone values from near pure white to pure black that you really can't get with normal 175 lpi uh screening and it i don't charge anymore for it good <laughs> but it's it's pretty amazing stuff Wayne Suggs, I'm doing a book for him right now, and it's almost, almost ready to ship. That he's he's doing this. It, it, it's the first big publication that I've put out with it. I've done a bunch of spec testing with it, but this is the first one, uh -huh. and hopefully it'll be out pretty soon. You know, Wayne's down in New Mexico. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jerry, who uh, who? I mean, you know, we probably some people that I, I you know I know well. I mean, give us an idea on who you've done books for people in this nature photography uh, area that the, our folks may be able to uh, relate to? Well, of course, you know, Richard Burnaby. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm hoping at some point we're going to be doing another project together. Um, and, of course, I've done Ian's books back when he was with Mountain Trail Press. Um, mm -hmm. His Chesapeake Bay book is just phenomenal if you've ever seen it. It's an older book, still out there on the market. If you don't have, you should get one because it's it is really it's really beautiful. It's 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 in in his you know in his in his days of living in you know near the Chesapeake Bay, so he really knew this this location, and it's really a phenomenal book. Um, you know, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Of course, um, Chris Jordan. Um, he's a photographer out of Seattle which now lives in Chile. I'm doing a book for him right now. We're trying to find the proofs because they've UPS internationals lost them. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of a struggle right now for that one. But, um, so, you know, um, I did my first, um, 3d book called 3d Disneyland for a, believe me how I got to this, this guy found me through, uh, another photographer. Um, he's a Disney, a retired Disney animator, 
a lead animator, uh, Dave Bolser. I mean, if you search him, you'll you'll see the movies that he's done. Well, this he's doing. He has his old mill press, and he's doing these 3D Disney. It's these old 3D uh, black and white images, and they're actual 3D. And I printed these things uh, in a book, and you, of course you put on the little glasses. But after you sit there for a minute, it's the most amazing thing to see these 1960s and 50s and uh, photographs of Disneyland that just like come off the page. It's really amazing. It, th that's probably the coolest thing that I've done uh, that's out of the ordinary. But it's a beautiful book, kind of expensive, but it's a, you know, it's a full on art book uh, with all these Disney photographs in it. He's also doing one. It, it's, it's in the works. That's a, the old 3d national parks images. Mm -hmm. Somewhere gotten, uh, um, he's connected with these images, these old 3D National Parks images. And that book's, I think he's in the early processes of processing the images and getting them ready to go into this book. So, you know, and Eric Stensland, um, I do all of his work. I've been doing his work for, gosh, six, seven years now, maybe longer. I can't remember. Things so are just. Jerry, kind of Jerry let's make believe. Yeah. Um, someone calls you, say, I, I'm going to call you tomorrow. I'm going to say, Jerry, mm -hmm. I have an idea for a book. Here's the idea. Could you just quickly walk us through the procedure? And I, you know, I don't know how long the time frame is from, from uh, you know, the beginning to the time that it's uh, ready to, 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 to ship. But just the kind of the procedure, the protocol, or, you know, how, how you go about doing this. Sure. I'm, well, most photographers have a general idea. I mean, we all know photo, uh, Photoshop. Well, now, some photographers don't know Photoshop. They only know Lightroom. Like, I don't know Lightroom. I don't want to know Lightroom. I don't care about Lightroom. I don't even want to see Lightroom, even though it's on my computer, because I am a Photoshop guy. <laughs> and uh -huh. I use Bridge and Photoshop. And there's reasons for that. You know, photo, uh, Lightroom can't work. You can't really do anything with CMYK, uh, you know, conversions and what we called salt color steps in the early days. But uh, but if you know Photoshop, you can design your own book if you have, have in design. Uh, if not, I can teach you how to process your images to put them in a book. And then depending on the book, I, I can design it or I have a couple of designers that can design and basically I turn you over to them and, you know, and have at it. You guys make the decisions on designs. So Depending on my work. The images have to mm -hmm. be processed in CMYK. Yes. Yeah. There, there is a misconception out there in this, uh, and this come back to haunt a couple of photographers, but that you don't have to, you no longer have to use, CMYK to print photographic books, and that is not the case. And one of the things that I've ran into lately um, is designers don't understand photographs. So if I can say one thing, um, if a designer says, give me all your RGB images and I'm going to put them in this book and then we're going to output it into the... No. A photograph responds to conversion or color sets when you convert it to CMYK, there's things that change. There's certain colors that possibly cannot be made when you convert it to this profile, this specific CMYK profile. Each printer will have a specific profile. And when you convert it, that you can watch that image change. And if you don't like the way it changes, you either have to find a workaround to get it as close to as the way you want it, or you have to live with it, or you have to exit that image and put in another one. So, you know, for, for photographers, let's say in, in, in the Pacific Northwest, just like here in the Appalachians, we have a thing called spring greens. You know, they're really lime green, they're really bright. Yep. Mm -hmm. Cannot make that color in CMYK. So what I have to do 
is I make those greens more summer green. I have a set process to turn those greens darker and to change them um, so that they'll actually print. You don't know it, but when you look at my book, you would go, man, that looks great. For me, I'm cringing because I know what it should look like. But again, we have to think about our audience. And, you know, if if it's printed good, they don't really care that it's a little darker green than it would be originally. So, so if, I, you know, there's, there's if, if I have a processed image that mm -hmm. I processed in Photoshop or Lightroom or whatever, you know, that that's in Adobe RGB. Right. It, it, you can't simply convert that to CMYK. You have to reprocess it. And see no, it. no. You, you, you can. So let's say it's a fall image and it's not a, it doesn't have a Colorado blue sky, that, uh, you know, above it. Um, you won't see a change mm -hmm. when you, when you convert it. So basically you would convert it to a specific ICC CMO. IK profile. So, you know, when you go into Photoshop and you tell it to convert and in your, your color settings, you'll have that specific, cause I would give it to you if you didn't already have it. Um, and you would actually convert it at that point and right in front of your eyes, it would change if it was going to change at all. Now you still need to look at it. You need to click over and, and, and prove it and then hit your, your gamut warning to make sure that it doesn't turn gray or, or a lot of gray. It can have a speckle of gray here and there, but if it has a, a whole washout of gray, then it's just going to print as closely as possible. And if there's details in those areas, it'll just be a color blob. That's why I was saying designers today, and I've ran into this two times in three weeks, they took the RGB images into InDesign, created the book, and when they outputted it, they out the they let InDesign output the images as CMYK in a blanket conversion, and you cannot do that because all the images that are a problem are really a problem. Some of the image will be perfect; you'll never see a difference difference but those problem images the ones that you could have saved they go to pieces and they look really really bad and mm -hmm. if you don't know that they're going to be bad then you've got a book bound and you got to pay for a book that has some really bad photographs in it yeah okay so we've converted everything to the prop to cmyk mm -hmm. everything looks good right we, the images are there what's the next step we you know, so basically you've got your images. Basically, I have I have you put them into a folder. And if you've laid out your book, if you have a general idea of how you want the sequence of those images, you know, each page, I have you number those. So most photographer has an idea of how to create their book. So if you get onto Photoshop and you make your little book, you know, it's basically just a guide for me to put together for you. And I can take that and I can lay it all out in InDesign exactly the way you have created it in whatever program you want to use. And I insert those images and then I output it into a PDF that goes to my printer. And it's, it's a PDF ready to go. And basically that, that, that goes to the printer. They create a digital color proof and they send it back. Now, some photographers I'll, you know that if you're if you're really looking for a specific art book project, I have a wet proof done with that. So basically, wet proof means is they actually create a plate and they actually print it on the paper that we're using for the project. And we usually do it in a six-page signature. It's a couple hundred bucks for just six pages. That way, you can compare it to the digital color proofs and a real press proof. You can compare the two and you can see the differences. There's subtle differences. And that way you know and you're not surprised when the project's created. So let's say everything's good. Press proofs look great. Test prints look great. Then we go to press. We print the book. 
this is what make this is where Mountain Trail Press is different. Once the book's completed, it's printed before going to binding. I have them pull all the sheets, the the signatures. It's big sheets, big sheets that the uh, each page is printed on. It's called folded and gathers, F and G's. They to me. And then I send them to, to you. If it's your book, you have your set of press proofs because I have two sets of press, press proofs done so you can retain them. Then you can compare the actual printed book with your proofs to make sure that there's no screw. Because believe me, it could happen. They can miss it on one signature. They can lay too much black or too much cyan or too much green or it will actually be blue, which would affect the greens so there's 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 things that can happen this just ensures that what you know what you proved is what you get and then if it's all good then i say bind it they bind them takes about 10 days to go through binding pack and then they head out the door pick up you know with um on on port shift along big and usually from Proofs to your door is about 12 weeks. Oh, that's not too and, bad. And the beauty is I also price DDP, delivery duty pay. So when I give you a price, that is everything. That's not to your door, but then you got to pay duties and taxes right. to the to customs. I it, price it one fell swoop. Jerry, let me let me ask you a real quick question because you know a lot of a lot of the modern photographers, I guess I'll use the word modern, but you know a lot of folks don't print images very often because we live in this yeah. digital world where everything right. is, you know, it's backlit on a screen versus mm -hmm. reflected light on a printed page, and and how much how much trouble do you see or get into with folks? that are so used to seeing backlit images instead of reflected light images and, and dealing with that sort of dealing with the processing and, and color correction in that realm of the printed printed picture. Um, you know, it is a problem, but I usually correct that right up front. I mean, I usually ask the question, do you print your work? Whoever printed it, do you know what it looks like beyond the the, the screen? The screen, yep. Things look different right. when they're printed, yeah. Right. Um, because if you don't, I can't get there. I don't have a light coming through the you know through your your printed page. Right. So, um, you know, I, I don't. So. I, I don't sell them on a myth. You know, if they want to see what work I can do, they can pick up a book. I mean, um, I'll put my stuff against anyone's, any publisher out there, mm. German publishers. All, I mean, if, if you look at my books compared to theirs, I do just as good as, as these big, huge presses. Or sure. these very sure. who, who does your printing and where is it done? I use I use a South Korean printer. Mm -hmm. I've used them since 1999. Mm -hmm. I I did use a Chinese printer, kicking and screaming. wasn't my idea. I, I just won't go any further than that. And I'm still taking it in the shorts for those. I'm still replacing some of those books when the covers fall off. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not the fact that China can't do books. It just sometimes you have a problem and, and it's harder to get fixes. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they're good at printing. Asia is really good at printing. Um, their, their technology is as good or better than what we have here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all automated. So when American printers tell us, well, it's because they their stuff's cheaper, that's a load of crap. Mm -hmm. Because Korea, if they don't if they don't make their own paper, they don't use their own paper made in their own mills, they're buying from Japan. Japan is same cost as what we are 
are in the U.S. It's basically on how much they pay the CEO. So that's that drives cost. Um, so, um, but I use one printer. I've used them for 20 years. Uh, they they taught me how to get what was off my screen to the printed page that mm-hmm. they give me. I mean, it's a, it's they're so good. Eric Stanzel and I've actually printed a book for him, a reprint, that we didn't even take proofs. And he was 100% happy with it. I was scared to death. But, you know, these guys, they I trust them. They trust me. I've printed millions of dollars worth of books. And it's, it's pretty awesome to feel that good about your book. They're allowing me to drive them to this new screening process because, yes, they do art books. They do some really nice art books, but I'm one of the first that's really pushed them to this new XM screening. So, so just to summarize, mm-hmm. um, I, I, and I'll use myself as an example. Say I come up tomorrow with an idea of a book, and I've got, mm-hmm. and let's just say it's going to be. Uh, 40 pages sure. and I'm, and I'm going to give you 30 images that are going to go on 40 pages. Some will be maybe double. I don't know. It's just 35. 40. And, uh, I deliver them to you properly processed. I, I, I got to believe that by the time it goes to a designer and everything, we're looking at about a, a four to six month process. Am I, am I correct there? Um, sometimes, um, it depends on how over designed the book can be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a general, a general. right? Uh, um, I mean, I put together, you know, if you have, if you give me all the stuff, in other words, if you have everything, mm-hmm. two weeks we can have your book ready to go. If Assuming everything. If, 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 you, if you have my divided attention, and I'm not working on five or six different other projects. Yeah. Yeah, two weeks. I can, I can, you know, and have all the processes ready to go to go to proof. Because so, there would be, you know, you and I would be working by PDF. Mm-hmm. So I'd be putting this book together. Um, this is what I did with Chris and Chile. So, um, you know, I built his book. He, he designed it, and I would put it together, and then. And, you know, if he wanted to flip photographs and things like that and change the sequence, mm-hmm. you know, I just moved them around and not send him another file. Mm-hmm. And he once, maybe, you know, once we were done, three months is too long. Maybe it's three to five months in that, in that area. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, honestly, depending. So before, but about a month ago, we were running 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. We, we had backups. I mean, um, all the ships coming from the way they, 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 they leave China, then they go to Busan, they go to Korea, and then they come to the U.S. Mm-hmm. They do the same, come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so basically, they were late getting to leaving China. Uh, then when they got to Korea, they were having to wait for port. And then, you know, then when they got to Long Beach, they were sitting at Long Beach for two weeks out in the ocean waiting for a dock. So yeah. it was brutal. But right now... I had had two weeks. Um, they left. I've got I've got a reprint that actually left two weeks ago. It's getting ready to pull in right now. That quick. Um, so it depends. So generally, I used to say eight to ten weeks. Now I say twelve to fourteen. <laughs> but okay. it's really yeah. yeah. That, that, that's fine. And and and, and um, give us an idea on quantity. Uh, to make the price right and just generally, well, you know, what so price gets, books, what's that gonna, you know, cost me? You know, enough for a book price. I mean, it's gonna be somewhere, uh, depends on how you know, depends on the page numbers and and you know, but generally, you're gonna have 500 books. Um, you know, it's a hardcover, you know, it's gonna be under 20 bucks, um, but um. You know, if you're, that's going to be a book that you would see on the market for for forty to sixty dollars. Sure. So if you're not having this, if you're selling it direct, we can handle that. Mm-hmm. If you're selling it 
through wholesalers, then we have a problem. Well, this is if you're going to do it, people are going to sell it through Amazon. And do you do the uh, ISBN numbers and all of that? I teach, uh, you know, I I get you set up to do your own. Okay. Uh, Now, so, so ISBNs are tied to the, to the, to the publisher Mm -hmm. and I have no problem publishing it. Um, You know, you own it. You basically, so what I do is I just kind, I I kind, I become the, information guy so if someone sees that book and they they run the isbn they would contact me and say how do i get this and then i would call you and say hey these people want this and you know it's just a process okay yeah well i think it's an interesting process and john you know i mean we go back to what i was saying i think everybody's got all these images and those of us who've been doing this for a number of years i mean i mean it's it's an investment I get it, but you know, I think it, at some point it, it might be something that folks should think about. You know? Oh, for sure. Hey, Jerry, I had I had one other question for you. Sure. Um, for folks that uh, kind of go jumping back to film, hey, before the show, you were talking about you shooting film as well. You know, yes. printing uh, printing digital files versus scanned film. Um, Anything people need to, to think about if they're scanning their film for print? It needs to be a good scan. You know, it doesn't mean you've got to do a drum scan. Um, but if it's 35 millimeter, you need to do a drum scan, unless it's going to be a small book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's 35 millimeter. But if it's, you know, if it's, uh, oh, wow, if it's six seven. Uh, six, four, five is probably the smallest that I would go, you know, using a, a real high resolution, you know, uh, scanner with a, you know, with a slide tray or whatever. Um, it's really funny. I just, you know, um, I just went on a tear for the last two weeks scanning old transparencies that no one's ever seen before. Oh, I've got cool. thousands of four by fives in here that I abandoned because I got so busy doing books and shooting digital and I could do a whole entire book easily with four by fives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a Microtech Arctic scan 1800 F, which is an old scanner, but it had the Kodak scan sensor in it, the really expensive one. And it was, it was great, but it, the software sucked. Silverfast came out with software for it that tried to make it better but just recently, ViewScan came out with the new software to run the scanner on a brand new you know, system, 64-bit system. And it allows for me to do true raw scans. And it's amazing. With using Topaz Sharpener AI and the scanner scanning raw, I mean, it's really good. It's 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 pushing an IMACON scan. Um, now it's it's only you know eighteen hundred DPI and a four by five, so the resolution's down. But hell, it's still you know a twenty two inch uh, you know, scan, so a native scan of of about sixty megapixels because it, it it sees megapixels. It's really cool. Um, you know, it thinks it's a 60 megapixel megapixel camera um, coming out of this thing. So it's pretty cool. Um, you know, and film is just different. I mean, honestly, the more and more I look at large format film scanned and I compare it to even high resolution digital, I miss it really bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just looks real. It's, you know, until you've seen the two side by side, it's really really hard for you to, to really understand the, the, the difference between a 4 by 5 scan and a high-resolution digital scan. That's an interesting concept. And it's almost a, that's almost a show and a, a discussion for a podcast in and of itself. And, and, and there'll be some people that will say, mm, you're wrong, and I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's different. It's really different. Yeah. When you zoom into this thing and you see... The, you know, you're, you see that fine grain and 
you know, you see the way the images are created on that that piece of film. It's just different. It's kind of like I, you know, I always with, equate it to like LPs versus CDs. I mean, film, film, and LPs. You're right. There's this analog quality, and we're analog creatures. And yep. there's just something, there's a special sauce when you're looking at an analog medium versus a exactly. digital medium. Yeah. And, and yeah, listen to it, listen to that, that analog media on a old tube amp, then and you then it's <laughs> then it's a whole other game again. It's yeah. really amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's exciting. You know, I'm shooting large format again and I'm shooting negative film. I'm using, you know, I went from Fuji. Now I'm shooting Kodak Portra, 160. Nice. Man, it's, it's. Again, you know, this is, we we should revisit this film versus digital, John, at some point. Yeah, for sure. But Jerry, just to uh, sum things up here, I think um, maybe, I think what we've done here for some photographers that may be listening to this, maybe we've given them something to think about. And, you know, you're a wealth of knowledge and I'm sure that if anybody wants to contact you, you'd be more than happy to help them out. Let's tell everybody how, how can they, how how do they do that? How do they find you and, and partake of your services? Well, I still have mountain com. There's a lot of information there. It's a new site, so it's actually changing. Right now, it's really, really technical. And there's going to be a whole whole another section to it that's going to be geared to, you know, when you come into it, you're going to be professional and then new person. You know, so it's it's going to talk to you at a normal level. You know, I struggle with that. Um, But, um, you know, so it can guide you. But you can, you can. Contact me through uh, the website. It's just mountaintrailpress at gmail.com or, or my phone number's on there. You can call me. Um, you know, uh, I guess the biggest thing I can say, because I've seen this over and over over the past two months, is be careful when you go and enter into a contract with a company to produce your book. Because uh, if they tell you that they can take your RGB files and recreate them perfectly in a CMYK book, um, run because you're going to lose your money. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Again, I'm a photographer and a publisher. I was a photographer before a publisher. I learned publishing to create my books for my own photographs. I'm not a publisher that is not a photographer telling you that I can do things that I can't. I'm going to tell you straight up front. If if you haven't, if if I can't get there with what you want, in other words, if you give me a, a a book that you created on your inkjet printer and said, I want you to match this, I'm going to laugh at you and say, I can't. Yeah. Well, you know, I think what I'd like to encourage everybody to do is, I mean, you don't need to do a, you know, a big, um, you know, 11 by 11 by 14 coffee table book. That's, you know, 90 pages long for those of you who are out there that have, have, uh, have a a good body of work that's worthy of, you know, even if you do a 20, 25 page book, I mean, I, I would, I would think about it and, you know, it's just, it's, it's a good way to look at your, uh, images. It's also a, a good, thing to have a purpose in in what you're doing and 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 investing time and and resources and you know so jerry i I would like to thank you for being here and uh and encourage people to get a hold of you if they have any idea about doing some kind of a published uh piece um and again uh we'll we'll have show notes up uh on our website which is wetalkphoto.com for those of you who want to get in contact jerry will put your uh, contact information up there yeah i'd like to uh, um, you know my, my personal website as well my photography website actually has a small book that's there my, my newly released one and that may be an option for someone if they want to see what that looks like there's some pages there then they yeah. can kind of go into it 
but uh, I'll, but you I'll can put, put that on there as to well. both of those, yeah. Jerry, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and and really, everybody, you know, those of you who have a body of work, uh, I, I would encourage you to do something and rather than have this stuff sit on a hard drive and let let people see, uh, you know, what you're doing and. You know, maybe a small batch might be the way to go and, and see where you take it from there. Jerry, thank you so much for being on. Um, maybe we'll have you back. And, uh, be great. I'd love and, to. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to um, talking with you because I have some ideas for myself. So, Yeah, I look forward to doing that book for you. John, you want to put a kick? Put a- Put a lid on things. Put for a us? lid on it. Well, you know, because we're doing this before Christmas, uh, you guys will probably hear this after Christmas. But I hope you all have a a wonderful holiday season, and uh, you know, keep keep the faith. And uh, things are getting better out there. And uh, if you have any ideas uh, for things that you'd like to hear us talk about, send an email to wetalkphoto at gmail don't forget to subscribe and like to these podcasts because it sure helps. Uh, it sure helps us uh, in, in out in the digital universe. And with that, I'll say thank you all for listening. And Jack, thank you for being here. And Jerry, thank you for being here. Thank yeah, you. So much. We'll, we'll be a touch, and you never know. We may be neighbors one of these days. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> all right. All right. Bye, bye, folks. Bye.